Sancho. He'll dance. He'll step. He'll shoot. And he hits it at the buzzer. No time left. And the Rockets have won the game. We are here to fuel your Rockets news. This is the Rockets Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. I am one of your hosts. I'm your co-host, LaShar Binkley. You can always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops. And you can find my written work at SB Nation or The Dream Shake. Um, as usual, we are here to talk about your Rockets after, unfortunately, uh, another tough loss. Before we get too deep into that, I want to give my co-host a chance to introduce himself. All right, y'all. You can find me at Vader underscore H-Town on Twitter on Instagram, and on TikTok for your Rockets, Texans, and Astros-related content. All right, Vader. Of course, we're talking about another Rockets loss. They fall to 2-11 on the year. Uh, it was kind of a weird game where they were out of it most of the first, like, two and a half quarters, almost three quarters, um, until Jalen Green caught fire in the third quarter. Got the Rockets back into the game. The Rockets actually took the lead at one point, um, actually a couple times um, in the third quarter. And then we head into the fourth quarter, and eventually the wheels kind of just fell off. Um, even though it, it, the writing was on the wall, lot, this happens a lot. Once the team comes back from a big deficit, the Rockets were down by 18 points at one point, and especially on the road. Last game of a very long, ridiculously long road trip. Uh, this particular road trip was close to 5,000 miles, which is just insane. Um, and I don't care how young you are. You traveling that much, that short a period of time, it's going to take its toll. So it was kind of writing on the wall thing where the Rockets – eventually just start running out of gas, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, but they end up losing that game, 119-106. to 106. Like I said, fall to 2-11 and 11 before they actually finally come home and play uh, the Clippers tomorrow night. Uh, but, of course, we want to talk a little bit about this game and what happened. Like I said, the Rockets trailed most of the game, got down big early, and it seemed like the Rockets were you know, on the verge of getting blown out. And then Jalen Green just went crazy in that third quarter, um, pretty much hitting everything that he shot. And then for some reason, the Rockets went away from him in the fourth quarter. He checked back in at around the 8-17 mark and only took three shots to end the game. One of the shots was actually with 35 seconds left and the game was already over. So basically he took two shots when the game was still um, in doubt on whether the Rockets could come back or not. And that's one of the things we definitely want to talk about here is why the Rockets tend to go away from players when they're getting hot or um, put them on the bench or just not give them shots at all. Um, so I, I, before we go too deep into just the overall record, I want to kind of get your opinion on the game, Vader, and what you saw um, in yesterday's loss. Well, obviously early in the game, it was a little discouraging. Uh, when we got down, I think we were down like 18 points. And, yeah. uh, you know, I was like, man. But at the same time, I, I didn't overreact to it because uh, and we've, we've talked about this, the schedule – to start this season was brutal. Um, yes. They played uh, 13 games, 10 of the games are on the road. And if you've been watching basketball, I'm assuming, you know, most people who tune into the pod are like, you know, that they, they know ball. Uh, it's hard for a young team to win on the, on the road in the NBA. It's hard for any team that went on the road in the NBA, but especially a young yeah. team. If you watch uh, progression of, of teams uh, when they are like not that good. And then when they actually become good teams, they learn how to win at home first. And before they even start going out on the road and, and making some hay on the road. 
And so we're, we're in a weird place right now where we, we just have a bunch of uh, 19, 20, and 21, 22, 23 year olds. Um, I don't think they're ready to, to go on these large winning streets on the road just yet. So I, I just expect them to be competitive. And so we got down big, they fought back. Uh, that was encouraging to me. I'm loving what I'm seeing out of that goon squad lineup that Ryan Howard <laughs> named it. Man, that goon squad yeah. lineup, that is, when I see them check in, I almost feel like, okay, we have a chance now. It, it doesn't yeah. matter what the score is. It doesn't matter to me what, what's going on. But that that is it, kind of funny to say this, but that Garuba, um, KJ Martin, and Tari Eason lineup is just something about the synergy that they have between one another uh, yeah. defensively. Yeah, they, they have, they're, they're definitely limited offensively, if we're being honest, but – it, it, they just create so much havoc on the other end of the floor and they do get those runouts. Uh, there was a uh, moment in the third quarter where uh, KJ Martin got those back-to-back dunks and we took the lead yeah. and everybody was fired up and I'm like, okay, this is happening. You know, I think uh, we eventually went up by like eight points. Uh, so like there are some takeaways from the game. I think there's some positive uh, things to take away and there are some negative things, which, you know, you could take away something negative pretty much from every single loss. I'm this morning I'm, I'm I'm struggling not to overreact to certain things because as I hop on social media, I'm seeing uh, <laughs> Jay is not a point guard. He's not going to be on this team in the future. He's a six man. And, you know, those things may or may not be true going down the line, but like, it's just an overreaction from one game to me is just crazy. Shingun had a, you know, below average game. If I'm being nice, he was in power. Best. <laughs> yeah, he fouled out. Um, it, it, it just there's some things that happened last night. Uh, the turnovers, the turnovers were huge. Like you can't win a basketball game when you turn the ball over as much as we did. Our backcourt yeah. uh, turned the ball over a lot. That, that's both Jalen and and Kevin. And then um, Jabari had a had a decent um, bounce back yeah. game. He didn't he didn't get a whole lot of shots, but I think he had 15 rebounds. Um, he had couple a couple of really big blocks. Yeah, he got yeah. some big blocks on a on a much bigger player. So I, I saw a lot of stuff that I feel like they can build off of, especially now that they can come home, kind of, you know, sleep in their own beds, have a practice or two. You know, it's, it's hard to practice when you're out on the road. It, it, you know, a lot of the stuff that people are saying, man, Steve Silas needs to do this. He needs to do that. He needs. Yeah, they, they can correct um, some little minor things. But as far as like really getting in those those really uh, in-depth practices where they can get out there and, on the floor for, for a few hours and work through things. That just doesn't typically happen very often on the road. So I'm expecting to see like a better product. Um, just just the fact that they can have some home games is going to probably work wonders for them. Uh, like I said earlier, young teams just play better at home. And, and it's just yeah. a fact. So those are just a couple of a few of the things that I feel like I, I, I took away from the game. You know, we'll get into some things more specifically. But, yeah, this, those are just my first my first thoughts. And yeah, before I forget the uh, point you just made about uh, not getting practice time. Coach Salas actually brought that up. Like when they're on the road, they only get a certain amount of time they can actually practice in any of the facilities on the road because you know the 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 team that's hosting the game only gives them a certain amount of time. Or if they're going off site, they wherever they are, only giving them a certain amount of time. When they're at home, they can practice as long as they want to. I mean, they can practice all day if they wanted to. They can have two days. So it, when you're a young team you're not going to be able to make a lot of adjustments during games. I mean, it's just not the way it works. Of course, you want to make some adjustments. I mean, if you see a particular player that's working better than others, you should probably try to continue to run. But if you're making mistake after mistake, you're not really going to correct those until you're getting, like, film sessions and then be able to get actually on the court and actually practice those things, and especially with a team 
that's extremely young that really didn't have a lot of practice time together to start the training camp or preseason because there's been so many injuries. I mean, you had Jabari out for a while. You had Amperin Shangun was out for a while. Jay Sean Tate's been out pretty much the entire season. Um, you've had people in and out of lineup all year long, and you're just 13 games into the season. Now, don't get me wrong. The Rockets, you know, like you said, we're going to talk about some specific things. The Rockets still make a, a lot of mistakes. They had 26 turnovers yesterday. I mean, that's hard to do if you're just literally handing the ball to the other team after every possession. I mean, that's a lot of turnovers to try to overcome, especially on the road against a, a team that's underperforming, but they're still – I mean, you got Zion Williams and you got Brandon Ingram, C.J. McCollum. I mean, C.J. McCollum's been in the league for over 10 years now, I think. I mean, they have a really good team over there, even though they're, they haven't, their record doesn't necessarily say it. So you have 26 turnovers on the road, end of a long road trip against a good team that's desperate for a win, and then you still almost had a chance to win the game. So, yes, the Rockets – have a lot of work to do. They're nowhere near where they need to be. But if you really look deep into it objectively and not just with emotions after every single game, like you said, the Rockets are better than they were last year. They're more competitive. Games like this last year, they would have got beat by 30 points and we would have all had an early night because most people would have turned the game off. But they are a lot more competitive. They have spurts where they're better on offense. They're actually moving the ball. And they have spurts on defense where they you can actually see, okay, these are the players that can actually be good on defense, and these are the players that give effort on defense. Last year, it was rare. I mean, it, most of the time, like I said, when the Rockets got down early, they would stay down. They wouldn't be coming back in any of these games. So, yes, they're still losing games, but it's really not about wins and losses. It's about progress. It's about seeing them getting better in certain areas. So, yes, and you're talking about progress, Lashard. I tweeted out yeah. something just, you know, like I said, there, there's a lot of talk this morning or whatever. Um, Jalen Green season averages 21.8 points per game, four rebounds, yeah. 2.8 assists. Uh, he has a, a true shooting percentages of uh, 54 and a half. Kevin Porter Jr., 19.2 points, 5.7 rebounds, 5.8 assists, 52.6 uh, TS percentage. So, um, these, these are numbers. Like if you asked me at the beginning of the season, uh, if I would be satisfied with these numbers from our young guard, young guards at this point in the season, I would, I would take this, um, you know, 10 times out of 10. I think these are like good, solid numbers, uh, 13 yeah. games into the season. In fact, if you told me like this, this was something that they were probably average over the duration of the season, I probably still would take it because to me, that looks like progression. Yes. Uh, we have to work on those turnovers, but if there's any, if there's any season, <laughs> you know, that we want them to experiment and, 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 and mess up and make mistakes. It's this one because we know after this season, we have those uh, obligations uh, to OKC as far as our draft picks. So you kind of want these guys out there. You kind of want to throw them in the, into the fire and see what they can and, and, and what they cannot do. And, you know, the greatest teacher sometimes is making mistakes and messing up. You know, you learn a lot from making mistakes. And so, like, I'm okay with – you know, Kevin Porter Jr. having seven turnovers. I'm okay with Jalen Green having five turnovers last night. Now, you know, when we get to game 80, will I still be okay with the seven turnovers? No, absolutely probably not. not. <laughs> you know, probably not. I'm yeah. just being honest. But I think, um, like you said, we, we, we kind of have to not just temper our expectations, but also understand that these guys are, and this is a learning season for, for all of these guys, if, if we're really being honest, like, Every player that is in the rotation right now, uh, Sans, Eric Gordon, 
are all young guys and they all are still trying to feel their way in this league and try to figure out, you know, where they can best be effective and what their roles are. So I, I just want people to just understand like that are like this morning, they're like, Oh, Kevin Porter Jr. I'm out on him completely. Like, look at his numbers. Yeah. His turnovers are high, but if you look across the board at a lot of the other things, he's, he's doing a lot of things. Well, uh, we tend to focus on the things that the guys are not doing well, instead of also looking at some of the things that they are being successful at. And I think that, you know, we'll have, a, I, I like to look at things like in quarters. So 82 game season. So probably every 20, 21 games, I kind of like to assess what, where that guy is right now. You know, we're only 13 games in. We haven't even made it to the quarter point of this season. So, you know, maybe around, you know, 21 games and then maybe around the all-star break. And then again, towards the end of the year, I'm going to look at it. And my expectations for what they're doing, you know, at the end of the year are going to be much higher than what they are right now. But I think if we were to give them a grade uh, for how they're doing right now, I, I think they're doing okay. It's definitely not an F like some people would have you to believe if we were to give out a letter grade. Uh, so I just wanted to throw that out there before we moved on. Yeah, and the the way I look at it is I know people blame Silas for everything. I mean, they, they blame Silas if it rains outside, and, you know, it's probably his fault. Somehow he had a horrible culture decision that made it it's rain. It's too I cold mean, this it, morning. Silas it's did too that cold. Too. Silas, Silas went into the clouds and, and brought down the rain. I mean, I don't care what coach you bring in here. I want everybody to hear this. You can bring in Coach Pop. Steve Kerr, bring Rudy T back. I don't care who you bring in here. They're not consistently winning games with this particular team where they are right now. Now, players, maybe they get to the point where they're a lot better than they are right now. But like you said, they're really young. They haven't gotten – they're not – no, other than, like you said, other than Eric Gordon, you don't even have anybody that's even – Met got to their prime yet. Even I mean, Eric Gordon is past his prime. He's still a a good player on a – on playoff team, but you don't even have players that haven't even gotten to their prime yet. So the fact that people are expecting this to be a finished product is kind of what's insane to me. And yes, some some individual things you can blame Coach Silas for. Don't get me wrong. He has to improve just like the players. I mean, he's still a young coach. He has to do some things better, like one of the things we're going to talk about next, which is making sure that certain players get the ball when they need to get the ball. But overall, if you don't have the players making the plays, I don't care how great a coach you are, you're not going to win. When Steph Curry was out a big chunk of the year, guess what happened to the Warriors? They didn't make the playoffs. Great as Greg Popovich is, when, once Tim Duncan was gone, once Ka- Kawhi Leonard was gone, guess what? The Spurs haven't made the playoffs in what, the last two or three years? So I don't care how great a coach you are. If you don't have players making plays, you're not going to win games and you're going to look bad as a coach because the players aren't, I guarantee you not. I mean, I haven't been to every single practice, but I've been to a lot of practices. This stuff is emphasized to the Rockets all the time. The players. See, all the time. I, hate, I hate that. Like a lot of people, man, that that's one thing that does bother me when I'm uh, like in the Twitter spaces or whatever. And I hear guys say things like, well, Coach Silas needs to tell these guys to do this. And Coach <laughs> yes. Silas needs to tell these guys to do that. And Coach Silas I, needs to make sure that I they guarantee need to he understand is. that pass is open in the <laughs> corner over there. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, there is no way in the world that you actually think that some of these things have not been said over yeah. and over and over again. But I really yeah. think people think that um, he literally goes into practice and just rolls the ball out and, and just tells them to hoop. And, you know, I'm not I'm not a, I'm not trying to defend Stephen Silas. Yes, there are probably yeah. some things that I, I would critique as well. However, 
Like when I hear people say stuff like that, that just irks me because I don't think they understand. Like as a coach, there's only so much that you can do. You can go out on the floor and do it for them. You can't make a person have court vision. You can't make a person be able to handle ball pressure. You can't make a person knock down open three pointers. That is stuff that is outside the realm of your ability as a coach. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you think Steve Curry is coaching up Steph Curry to make 35, 40-foot uh, three-point shots? No, Steph Curry is making 35, 40-foot shots because he's Steph Curry. It has absolutely nothing to do with the coaching. So at the end of the day, the coach, like you said, can only do so much. Coach Hodge is telling these – he's telling them he wants them to run. He wants them to push the pace. The Rockets had, at one point, what, four points, four fast-break points late in the second half? I mean, it's only so much you can do. If they could consistently turn the ball over, I guarantee Coach Charles is, is not telling them to over-dribble or step out of bounds or not hit the open guy or turn the ball over 26 times. I mean, That's I don't funny. Care. That's funny, LaShar. I was just yeah. about to say that, bro. I was really about to say, I'm sure he doesn't have a play in his playbook called let, let me dribble uh, 32 times and then uh, throw the ball to the other team and turn it over. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure that's not in the playbook. Or or not or not set a hard enough pick and roll to the basket hard or not fill the lane on fast breaks. I mean, this is stuff that players have to pick up and do themselves. I mean, they're professionals. Yes, they're young, but they're professionals. They practice this stuff all the time. They practice this stuff all through training camp and summer league and preseason. All this stuff has been practiced over and over again. And if they're consistently making the same mistakes, at some point you have to blame the players. Like like Shangun made several mistakes yesterday he over the back fouls that he shouldn't have been trying to get rebounds on um a couple of times where he didn't um he didn't push hard enough on double teams uh in the paint on zion that got zion easy baskets so it's not just kevin porter jr that's making mistakes Alperin shangun had a bad game yesterday i mean he he has to do better overall himself and he fouled out exactly the problem that they had with him last year so I know everybody was saying was losing their mind when the mailbag that Kelly Eco put out, not an actual report. He even said it himself. It's just his opinion. It's just a mailbag. And people were losing their mind that Shane Goon, God forbid Shane Goon has any chance of coming off the bench, which, by the way, I don't want to go too deep into it because I want to talk about some individual things. But me personally, I don't have a huge issue if Shane Goon comes off the bench. My only issue is there's no way that Bruno Fernando should be playing more minutes than Shane Goon. That's my only thing about this whole Shangun coming off the bench thing. Him coming off the bench is really not that big of an issue for me. It's whether he's actually getting enough time on the court. So so Bruno shouldn't be playing 25, 30 minutes a game, and then Shangun's playing 20 minutes a game. That's my only issue. And but I, I like what I like what Bruno did, and I'm not in favor of guys losing their job over yeah. over injuries. I mean, that's one of those things that just kind of goes back, you know, with with time as far as you know, just being a sports fan. You hate to see when a guy gets hurt and then, you know, the guy that comes in behind him, you know, outplays him. And then you have like a, you have a controversy. You see it in football all the time. Like Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but <clears throat> the goon squad, man, like I, I'm not in favor of uh, any lineup right now that is going to take Garuba off the court. I think Garuba has, I think he solidified himself as a, yeah. as a contributor. And I know uh, that he and Fernando have like a similar role on the team and they both bring something uh, different and, but, and, and something that the team needs. But, like, I think right now, man, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Just the syn- like I said, the synergy between KJ and Eason and Garuba is just something that I don't think you can take off the floor right now. That is actually statistically, uh, I believe, one of our best, if not our very best lineup. If you just look yeah. at, like, uh, what, they're, what they're doing out there on the court for our performance, 
So yeah, that's just where I stand on it. Uh, like the Chengdu thing is more complicated. Um, I could probably talk about that for another ten minutes, but like that's a whole like, show by itself. Right, yeah. that's a whole show for <laughs> Chengdu. So I'm not going to touch on that too much. But uh, as far as his files yesterday, yeah, that was it was kind of a regression back to last year. I thought he was kind of over that. So I'm, I'm like I said, I'm not going to overreact to one game, but I do want yeah. to see him cut down. Like when you're playing against a guy like Zion, who is a huge person. And you're playing against uh, Valanchunas, who is like he's a giant, right? You you need yeah. to save your fouls. <laughs> you need to save yeah. your fouls for like actually like when you need to hammer those guys or you need to like try to stop them from getting position over the back fouls in a game like this. When you're playing against uh, two two huge human beings like that, you just have to pretty much you have to be smart and, and eliminate that from your game completely. Yeah, and just one more thing on the whole lineup ro- rotation thing. To me, other than Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., everybody else minutes can fluctuate. And I say that because if you look at center, there's some things that Garuba brings and Fernando brings that Shangun doesn't. Um, Jabari Smith, yes, he's your number three overall pick, but sometimes there's things that maybe Tyree Eason or KJ Martin are doing better when Jason, we haven't even talked about Jason Tate. Eventually he will be back. And that's a whole nother problem that they're going to run into. There's some things that sometimes maybe he's not having a good game. Other people do better. Um, Eric Gordon. I mean, it is what it is at this point with Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon is professional. He's not going to complain, but you can tell sometimes Eric Gordon is like, Man, these guys are really <laughs> like, I, I kind of feel like he's a little checked out. I hate to say that because I don't know what's going on in his head. Yeah. But like he doesn't look as locked in. He doesn't look as locked in as he has looked in the past. And that's understandable. Yeah, so, yeah that I mean, makes I think perfect we all sense. Need yeah. to do, we all need to do what's best for everybody and find that man a home where he can go yes. and, and he can get his exactly. swag back. And yeah. uh, you know, we can see some more Eric Gordon uh meme faces. <laughs> I mean, he's not even getting mad when he he he's not even getting mad the same no. way when he gets fouled anymore. Like he typically like throws a tantrum when he gets feels like he didn't get a call, and now he gets a little mad. But then he's like, ah, okay, yeah. Whatever. I mean, at, at the end of the day, like I said, really, I mean, other than Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., everybody else has people behind them that can do things better than them at certain points of the game. So, as far as minutes are concerned, to me, I'm fine with them fluctuating from game to game depending on who's doing what. If Alperin Shangun is struggling and Uzma Garuba is going out there and, and doing – well, he's pretty much always going to do better on defense, let's just be honest. But if he's bringing you more overall in the game, I have no problem with Garuba being in the game a little bit more sometimes than Shangun. The Rockets aren't at a point where they should be like, man, this guy should be playing 35 minutes a game other than Jalen Green and, and and most of the time Kevin Porter Jr. Absolutely Jalen Green. There's no game Jalen Green shouldn't be playing 30, 35 minutes a game. I don't care if Jalen Green's 0 for 25. Jalen Green needs to be out at, on the court. <laughs> have you looked at Jalen Green's stats over the last five games? Because I was I mean, a little concerned. Yeah. I was a little concerned about him because he was in that shooting slump. I don't know if he just had dead legs or if he was still trying yeah. to figure out what he was doing. But, you know, coming out of, uh, what was it, the uh, preseason, he looked like, remember we talked about it, it was like, man, he was like a completely different Jalen Green than what we saw yeah. at the end of last year, even though he was on the tear. And so yeah. I think that guy is back. Like I'm looking at it right now, just over his last five games, uh, 26 points, 3.4 rebounds, four assists, efficient, yeah. 68% uh, true shooting percentage. Uh, his field goal percentage, 54.1. His three point percentage, 41.3. Like he is, uh, he's back. He's yeah. back, and I'm I'm glad he's back. Yeah, and that kind of leads me into this uh, point I want to bring before we end the show. 
the only criticism I had of, of Silas last night was the fact that Jalen Green went nuclear in the third quarter. He's the reason why him and the and the goon squad defense is the reason why the Rockets got back in the game and actually took the lead. I understand taking him out there start the fourth. I mean, he played pretty much the entire he played the entire third quarter, so he he needed a rest to finish out the game. Came back in at the eight minute mark. Again, I have no problem with that. I think that's about the right time to bring him back in. My issue was. And it could be it's a combination of things. I don't think that it was the fact that he didn't a coach I didn't recognize that Jalen Green should got the ball more, but you have to make it a point, an emphasis that hey, look, Ken Porter Jr., hey, look, Eric Gordon, whoever, we need to run plays where Jalen Green gets the ball and gets shots because he only got three shots to end that game, like I brought up to start the show, and one of those shots was with 35 seconds left, and he actually went two for three in the third quarter. We had possessions where um, back-to-back possessions where Kevin, uh, Eric Gordon stepped out of bounds. Kevin Porter Jr. traveled. It was another one where Kevin Porter Jr. went ISO early in the shot clock and took a contested three that he missed. Um, those things can't happen. Jalen Green should have had at least seven, eight shots in that fourth quarter, especially the way he was shooting the ball. There's no way you don't get Jalen Green to shot. So that's that's my only issue with uh, Coach Childs last night. Even if you have to call a timeout, even if you have to take players out, even if you have to bring Knicks in, and by the way, really quick on Knicks, people were been, been killing Knicks all year, but Knicks has been actually playing a lot better um, in short periods um, in the last several games. He actually looked really good in the third quarter. He was a real, he was a big reason why Jalen Green was getting a lot of those shots because he was getting the ball to Jalen Green in the correct spots and he was actually running the offense. But back to the Jalen Green point, you have to make it an emphasis, especially when he when your best player is shooting the way that. Jalen Green is shooting the ball. Um, you have to make sure Jalen Green, if he has to come off the of screens, pin downs, if you have to give the ball to Jalen Green as soon as you're coming down the court 94 feet away, Jalen Green needs to get more than three shots in a game, um, especially in the fourth quarter in a game that's actually still in doubt, a game that you can still win. But that's really my only issue last night was if it was Coach Silas or if it was the players around Jalen Green or a combination, you have to get the ball to Jalen Green more. I agree. And to me, this is not an overreaction because I think uh, this is something that we've seen in the past. It's almost um, I've always been confused by it. We saw it a lot last year. And and I don't want to say that they're icing Jalen out uh, because I'm sure that's not what's happened. That's not what's happening. But it just like, you know, as a viewer of the game and we're watching the game and we're trying to figure out, okay, Jalen's hot. And, and, And for some reason, in those situations, he is not fed the ball. And um, I just kind of remember, you know, just back in the day when we had Hakeem and I think it was, I think Bullard always mentioned this on like the on the telecast. It's like yeah, Rudy I T would, that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rudy T was like when he when he knew Dream was going or had it going, he made sure Dream touched the ball all the time. And of course yeah. Dream demanded the ball. I think Jalen Green needs to get to the point where he starts uh demanding the ball too, or yep. going to seek out the ball because um Part of that is going to have to be on him. If he's if if you know you're you're you know you, you're on fire and you're having a game like that, uh, he should have had forty points last night. I think he could have easily gotten forty points had he gotten more more than three shots. Yeah, yeah twenty nine at the end of the third. Yeah, yeah. So like, part of that is on him, and because like I said, this has been this has been going on since last year. He he'd be he'd have a really really great quarter, and then of course it is time to sit him down. He does have to get his rest, but it's almost like when he comes back in. It's almost like people forget, like, man, this dude was, like, going off about, you know, 10 minutes ago. You know, we need to yeah. get him the ball and see if he's still hot. 
Um, they just kind of continue to do what they were doing before he checked back in the game. And I think, you know, like you said, in a, in a, in a situation like last night where he was uh, he was dominant offensively, let's be honest. And uh, it, it was a winnable basketball game. And he is supposed to be your future number one scoring option. And actually, he's your number one scoring option right now. So yeah, the fact that it's kind of a it's criminal, <laughs> it's criminal that uh, your number one scoring option is not uh, made a focal point of, of your offensive possessions uh, going down the stretch of a, a winnable basketball game. So I think that's one thing that, that they can uh, look to rectify and correct. I don't know if it's uh, them not running the plays. I don't know if it's the fact that um, whoever has the ball isn't finding him. Because I, I know KPJ and Jalen have a really great relationship. So I don't I, I know he if, if he doesn't pass to anybody else, he will pass to Jalen. <laughs> if he doesn't pass yeah. to anybody else on the team, he looks for Jalen Green. I, I guarantee you that. However, part of your job as, as a point guard is is recognizing, hey, this guy has it going. You know, I kind of have it going offensively, but man, he he really is going off. I got to give my guy the ball and then I can play off of him. And that's just one of the uh, areas of growth I think that we can see from KPJ moving forward. And like you said, let's let's get some pin downs. Let's get him running off of some screens or get him involved in the pick and roll. He he had a really good uh, pick yeah. and roll with Alper and Shingun earlier in the game. He had a really good uh, dribble drive where he found KPJ in the corner yeah. for a wide open three pointer. And like we mentioned all the time last year, uh, KPJ shot forty eight point two percent on spot up three pointers. That is yeah. a that is a weapon that we need to utilize more. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. That's one other thing the Rockets aren't doing enough is running Kevin Porter Jr. off of a set place where he can actually get a, a spot-up three, a catch-and-shoot three, because he was the number one shooter last year in catch-and-shoot threes. So they don't run enough plays for where Kevin Porter Jr. is running off the ball as well. And, again, maybe that goes back to something we were talking about a little bit before we got on the air was a comment that Coach Salas made to where there's a reason why he doesn't stagger them um, is because he feels like he has to have some type – he has to have a ball handler on the court or, or, or a facilitator on the court, and that's why he always has a Knicks or somebody like that. Or Eric, he <laughs> he actually mentioned Eric Gordon as one of the facilitators, which is, kind of, which is kind of funny, but uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a whole other story. <laughs> and, and I'll let you finish, but you know what? Like, Jalen Green had six assists last night. Yeah, his yeah. turnovers were high, but like that's to be expected from a guy who is not used to, uh, you know, facilitating offense, you know, consistently. But yeah. he also had six assists the previous game, I think, against the Raptors, who are, yeah. you know, they're a good defensive basketball team with with athletic long defenders. Like I think Jalen Green is showing that he has some playmaking chops that needs to be explored, and I would love yeah. for them to like split the ball handling a little bit more between them because I think yeah. it would be beneficial. Like Kevin Porter Jr. is, is a really good scorer off the ball. Like he, he it's, it's almost like he's so, he's so good as a shooting guard at handling the ball and, and at, you know, dribbling and passing and doing some playmaking that I feel like it's almost uh, to his detriment now because we pigeonhole him up as a full-time point guard when in actuality yeah. – he can play point guard effectively and he, he had 11 assists last game and he had 11 assists the, the game right before that. So yeah, he can play point guard, but he is really dynamic as well off the ball. So him having more opportunities to, to play off the ball and play off Jalen, I think it would help both of them. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's you, that's why your point about not overreacting 13 games in the season is makes a lot of sense because yes, a lot of these things that we're talking about, 
they're not necessarily doing right now. But if they're doing them by game 40, game 50, then we should be fine. But if we're game 60, 70 into the year and we're still talking about these exact same things, that's when you start having a problem. Um, Because if we're after the all-star break and we're still talking about Man, they're not getting the ball to Jalen Green enough. Or man, Kevin Porter Jr. Sometimes he he needs to be more of a facilitator. Or man, why don't they run Kevin Porter Jr. off of screens and getting him more open shots? And that's a problem because at that point you should you should have all these things implemented into your offense, especially now that Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green would be into what almost two full years together. At that point, you should have an offense to where it's structured around those two to where you're actually showing or emphasizing what makes them really good players on the court. We shouldn't still be talking about the same mistakes two or three months from now. But for right now, I'm fine. They're being competitive. They're not getting blown out of games. They're they're still giving effort, all our effort on the court. And that's the one thing you always want to see because when teams stop giving effort, then that's when you can start saying, okay, that's the coach's fault. Because if a coach loses loses his players, Yes, you could blame the players, but more than likely, they're not getting rid of the players. They're going to get rid of the coach. So for now, they're still giving effort. They're still really into the games. They're, really, they're trying to win these games, and they're just not good enough right now to win those games. They're still just too young and too inexperienced, and they still don't have good enough players to finish out these games. And we'll see if maybe that changes uh, this next upcoming game. They actually have a home game against the Clippers coming up, a uh, team that they had. This would be the third game, like, in the last week and a half that they played the Clippers. Like I said, the scheduling just doesn't make any sense this year. But that's a whole other story. Um, Like I said, they had two competitive games against the Clippers. Uh, Previously, they lost both. One, you know, basically at the buzzer from from Paul George. I don't think Kawhi Leonard's going to be back. I know he's pretty close to coming back. I think he's actually been practicing, so we'll see what happens with that. But. Make sure you check us out next week. We'll probably have another show during the week uh, recapping some of the games that the Rockets have coming up. So we appreciate everybody that joins us every single every single episode. Joins us on podcasts, uh, on Spotify, uh, Apple, looks at the YouTube comments. We appreciate everybody, all the support. So make sure you join us for our next episode of the Rockets Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.